Welcome to Zurich Canada's Perspectives Podcast, where we stay connected with our broker partners through conversations with guests who are experts in their fields. We try to deliver market insights and thought leadership to bring you insightful information that's relevant to what our listeners are faced with. My name is David Tran, and I'm the Vice President and Regional Manager of Ontario for Zurich Canada. Today, we will be speaking on the topic of environmental insurance. Typically, you'd likely think about chemicals, toxins, and other dirty hazards when you consider environmental risk insurance. However, many events involve non-toxic substances and unexpected situations. There are still a large number of companies who think that if their operations don't involve chemicals and other hazardous substances, that environmental risk doesn't necessarily exist for them. But the reality is that many substances can be considered a pollutant, particularly if it is in a place where it shouldn't be. To help us get a better handle on environmental insurance and some of the particulars of what it entails, I have Irene Bakhtiar as our guest today. Irene is Zurich Canada's Head of Environmental Liability Practice and will help us further understand this topic. Here's my conversation with Irene. Hi, Irene. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, David. I'm good. Looking forward to having this conversation. Look, I really appreciate uh, the time you're spending with us today on this topic. Uh, For those that don't know, uh, Irene heads up Zurich Canada's environmental liability, which includes site, contractors, and consultants' liability policies. Irene also works closely with PNC Lines and participates on Zurich's Global Center of Excellence for Pollution Issues. I want to make sure that I got that right. Is there anything I'm missing? You got that right. I mean, well, to be honest, my calendar wouldn't be this full if I didn't say yes to just about everything. But you've got the main ones down good, for sure. Good. And and remind me, you're coming up on your fourth year anniversary, right? David, Zurich? no, fifth oh year. My, oh my goodness, I missed a year. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, given that you weren't there at the time that I had joined and you're a relatively new joiner in comparison, I understand. Okay. Look, I'm I'm just going to jump right into it. Okay. Go I recently read in a 2021 environmental market update that it was found that only 20% of commercial insurance buyers purchase environmental insurance. My first thought is, what are the other 80% of commercial insurance buyers doing? What do you think about this? And in your opinion, are customers adequately insured against their pollution exposures? That's a good question. And I'm actually wondering now, is anyone expecting me to say yes? Um, obviously, it's it's in my self-interest to convert non-buyers, to convert that, that 80% as much as possible. Um, but I think there's a good analogy to cyber. So cyber a few years ago, still very much in their interest, cyber underwriters to, to convert non-buyers. And it turns out that they were very much right. Um, so, you know, there's an analogy for pollution as well. Uh, and it's important for our customers, those non-buyers, to have that conversation now with their risk man- managers, with their insurers, with their brokers um, for future readiness. So my answer is that no, uh, customers are very much underinsured uh, for pollution. 
And largely that underinsurance is due to an over-reliance on PNC, regular PNC insurance, um, as well as mis misconceptions on um, what especially the GL um, policy does with regard to pollution. And lastly, I would say due to an underestimation of the um, our customers' exposure. So I think, you know, uh, all of these three factors lead to um, lead to an underinsurance situation that we're currently in and that we've been in for, for some time. Now, the demand is certainly growing, um, and there are also a lot of our buyers that find themselves suddenly forced into um, purchasing an environmental policy because now you have much more stringent uh, requirements to carry environmental, to have essentially the funds to pay for the consequences of, of pollution risk. If we can talk a little bit more about the over-reliance on GL, because I think that's a huge factor. So the GL has been an evolving form, I'm sure in general, but especially with regard to pollution. Uh, it's continued to evolve over decades. And, and probably the biggest change was in the mid-1980s when, um, when across North America, insurers, um, and this is reflected in our IBC forms and also in our ISO forms, insurers um, really tightened up their pollution exclusions. Uh, and we've seen since then that they've continued to make modifications that essentially narrow the givebacks for pollution within the GL wording. So that's happening for sure. Uh, what we're also seeing, we're definitely seeing this more and more, and I think it's going to intensify over the next few years. GL carriers are becoming much more reluctant to provide um, pollution coverage through their GL policy. So, you know, that's something to be aware of, again, having that conversation now, um, as opposed to when you're absolutely forced to. So, you know, and to go further on the GL, why is it such a mistake to rely on the GL policy or even the property policy? Property policy sometimes provide a supplement for cleanup, for instance. Specifically on the GL, there is a misconception out there that because it covers your premises, that it provides first party coverage. First party coverage is probably your most important coverage when it comes to pollution. The GL form, even if it covers your premises, which of course many of them do, it's still a third party form, still provides bodily injury and property damage on a third party basis. Another important factor is the gradual element. Most pollution losses are not discovered within the time limit provided by GL policies. So, you might even feel comfortable that you have 240 hours, 120 hours is more the standard, 240 hours is 10 days. Most losses are not gonna be discovered within 10 days, not even within months. Oftentimes it's years after. You might even inherit uh, pollution liabilities from the previous site owner. So that's really important when it comes to the, to the GL. You're missing out on a lot of important coverage. There are other gaps that I like to point out that are not provided for and actually are explicitly excluded. So things like mold, asbestos, lead, those are usually explicitly excluded under standard GL forms. You're also not getting coverage for fines and penalties, which usually a sophisticated EIL insurer can do. Um, you're not getting coverage for you know, contingent transportation. That's another thing that EIL policies will typically do. Zurich certainly does it quite a bit. And finally, if we can talk a little bit more about the underestimation of exposure, I often hear you know, I, I hear, oh, it's just an office. But even if we just talk about an office, which should be, in a lot of ways, it should seem like an innocuous pollution risk. 
actually a lot of environmental insurers are having trouble with things like office real estate portfolios. There's the potential for offsite exposures to impact that office. There's the potential for, as I mentioned, historical pollution um, uh, for that uh, real estate company to inherit uh, legacy or, or historical pollution. There's also potential for mold. And regardless of who ultimately might be at fault for the pollution, sometimes I hear from, let's say, landlords that say, well, it would really be my tenant that is performing these operations. They're really at fault. You have to remember, first of all, that pollution is strict liability, not necessarily tied to your negligence. And also that, that um, pollution liability is joint and several. So I mean, to say, you know, if courts are, are going to apportion costs, they're not going to necessarily do it along the lines of fault. Does that answer your question, David? Yeah, that helps. So, I mean, just, just, just to summarize, it sounds like there's a lot of reliance on other policies to cover off environmental exposures. Stop doing that. Get a standalone policy that is actually fit for what its intended use is. And not only because I want to grow my book. Yes. I don't, yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I'm trying, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I, I think that's, I think that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely a huge problem. There are a lot of customers that learn too late. And like I said, it's a conversation you want to have now before it becomes, you know, a, a sudden requirement. Okay. Depending on who you speak to, And depending on what lines of business within insurance you're speaking about, the insurance market in general seems to be going through a transitionary period right now, where it had been quite hard if we would have been spoken a year ago. Now, particular to environmental insurance, in your opinion, what's the state of the environmental market? It's a little bit complicated. And we're always, of course, impacted by, you know, the market with respect to other lines as well. So it's, it's very complicated. And I also sympathize with, with uh, you know, um, those of us uh, in other lines that, that have been going through a hard market. Um, but when it comes to environmental, I think the message usually is that it's a soft market. It's been a soft market for some time. But in reality, again, much more complicated than that. It's a tale of two stories. So there's a lot of competition for small or vanilla risks, especially for certain types of products. And of course, there's a very limited pool, as we just talked about, of environmental buyers because of this over-reliance on PNC insurance. So a ton of competition over a very small pool um, um, of insureds. That's in that one segment or the easy to do stuff. When it comes to more complex risks, there's definitely been a shrinking of capacity. And even if it's not necessarily the appetite of the insurer, um, in the marketplace, there's a lot less agility amongst environmental insurers, I would say, than a few years ago. Uh, longer term policies, which used to be very common, are now less available than they used to be, or they're shrinking in term length. They're now pricier than they used to be. Um, and as I mentioned, some risk classes are very tough to place right now. There are generally more conditions, a longer timeline to underwrite, a higher standard for underwriting submissions when it comes to these really complex of so things like brownfield redevelopment, transactional type risks. And when I said that it's a little less reflective, it is somewhat reflective of changing appetite and more a more conservative appetite in the marketplace. I want to concentrate more on agility. I think that's the biggest impact. And I don't think it's talked about enough. There's a real real shortage of underwriting resources at many, um, at many carriers. Uh, and 
it's, you know, to no one's surprise, there's a huge talent shortage right now um, in the marketplace. This is especially true when it comes to environmental insurance. So an environmental underwriter, in order them to, to turn around in a timely fashion and also to turn it around in a sustainable manner with sustainable terms, they have to be an expert not only on insurance, they have to be an expert also on environmental law and also environmental science. It's very difficult to find a senior person who might have some kind of engineering background um, and also can do what you know, other insurance underwriters can do. So there's a huge talent shortage, which means it's very difficult to find underwriters who will be willing and able to turn around a very complex piece of business. So that brings me to my most important job at Zurich. When it comes to my customers, my most important job, I think, is to keep our team happy, to keep them happy, healthy, fully staffed. And we are. Uh, and not only that, we're actually looking to add to our team this year because we've had good growth over the last few years. Okay, I think that's been a, a, a tough area, I think, for environmental insurance because I think that there is a, a talent uh, shortage, if you will. And I think that's it's such a niche area that I think that's why we're having this conversation today, just to get a little bit more of an understanding of, of, of what this is. Having said all this, and I think that was a great summary of, of how the environmental market had been and, and where it's at today. What about your crystal ball? And how do you see the environmental market moving forward? What's on the radar for environmental liability and insurance? So I don't have to be much of a Nostradamus, I think, um, with some of these, some of these things that are on our radar. So one thing I would mention is uh, the CCDC update. So our construction brokers, our construction customers are, are surely aware of CCDC, which is a standard construction contract that now requires not just sudden accidental, but also um, actually standalone EIL, um, a contract with pollution policy, for instance, for some types of projects. So that's definitely creating more demand and more conversations like this. But of course, as with other lines of insurance, we're impacted, our customers are impacted by the reopening of the economy, which means more business for us, but it also means more claims activities, more losses potentially for our customers. And of course, both our customers and ourselves were impacted by um, inflationary increases and increased remediation costs when it comes to pollution um, events or pollution cleanup. There are other things that are on our radar, um, like emerging contaminants. So PFAS is one example that I'm sure many um, have heard of. So that's very much the focus of a lot of environmental insurers across North America and also in Europe. And then we can't really have a conversation about the future anymore, and especially the future of insurance without talking about sustainability and climate change. Zurich is really a leader um, in this space when it comes to environmental insurers, but also insurers overall. When it comes to, to sustainability and climate change, there's the risk to our customers, there's the risk to ourselves that comes from extreme weather events. Uh, extreme weather events bring the potential for, um, you know, the need to remediate pollution spills after, you know, a hurricane, for instance, also brings about a higher risk of third-party liability claims. But it's also sustainability and climate change. Um, it's proving to be an opportunity for Zurich to participate in the mitigation of climate change. Also, something that Zurich has done really well is to contribute to thought leadership on things like infrastructure resilience. And then there's the potential for new 
insurance products, uh, green insurance products, and, and just in general, better supporting customers in the sustainability industry. I, I love these discussions and, and I do enjoy this side gig of mine as the Zurich Canada podcast host, which allows me to have great conversation with my colleagues and learn something along the way. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure having, having a chat with you, but I think that I would be uh, doing a disservice uh, to you if I didn't try to understand what you do for fun and what you're doing this weekend, subsequent weekends. So just so our listeners can get to, little, get to know a little bit more about Irene. So what do, you, what do you do for fun, Irene? Oh boy, this weekend, what a whirlwind. Um, so I think, David, you know, you know me a decent amount now. You don't know how long I've worked for Zurich, five years, not four, but I think you're asking me this just to embarrass me. Um, you know, it's, it's suddenly very cool to be a nerd, but I'm kind of the old school, uh, uncool version of a nerd. And I guess if I were to exemplify it, as far as what I've done during the pandemic, when I had, you know, extra free time on the weekends, I rewatched three of the Star Trek series, not like the cooler, you know, Hollywood movies. Um, I rewatched TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Deep Space Nine is the best. I'm just telling you that because I know that's fighting words for some people. Um, I'm also relearning Latin. Okay. Uh, no need to. Uh, I'm not going to a Latin speaking country. Um, but that's just me. I guess to make myself a little cooler, I should mention something to do with sports. Does beginner's yoga count? Not very well done. It, does. it works. Okay, yeah. good, 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 good. Okay, see, I'm, I have a lot of dimensions to me. Um, so not the, the coolest answer that I could give you for sure um, on that, but I, I still like to think that I'm a fun person to have a beer with, right, David? We've had beers. I can confirm that Irene is a lot of fun to have a beer with. That's and a lie. look, and That's look, a lie. you're cool in my books, okay? Doesn't matter okay. what anybody thinks there. That speaks <laughs> volumes about you, David. <laughs> I should also admit here, while we're being totally honest and upfront, that I don't yet like the taste of beer. And I know that's going to get me a lot of enemies, but I will gladly uh, grab a glass of wine with any of you um, out there. Excellent. Well, look, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I learn a lot. Hopefully our listeners also learn something along this, uh, 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 this conversation. So thank you for your time, Irene. Um, as always, great having a chat with you. I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back for the next one if you want, David. Oh, yeah. Thank we'll you. Part, this is we'll fun. do part two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thanks, thanks Irene. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to our discussion with Irene about environmental liability insurance. We talked about what environmental insurance is. We talked about how the current environmental market looks. We also talked about some emerging trends as it pertains to environmental insurance. As always, you can find the podcast on the Zurich Canada website. You can also email us at ca.podcast at zurich.com for ideas, comments, or feedback. As always, we appreciate the feedback and look forward to putting together more meaningful content for you all. Thank you and take care.
audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.